Okay, can everybody hear me? You can hear me, okay. That's the main thing, I guess. Um, I'm glad I have a voice. <clears throat> Let's start with prayer. Lord, we give this service to you. It already has been given to you, but we pray that your word would speak to our hearts now in the way that you want each one to receive it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just an announcement about the speaker next week. Remember, he will be here during the Sunday school hour. If you miss that, you will miss a lot. So please come to Sunday school also. Today's topic from the Word of God, Psalm 40, is how to get on top of things. Now, you may not think that you're under anything, and you may not think that the message applies to you, but God's Word always applies to us no matter what it is. So there's a message for us here always. This, of course, has been labeled by Bible scholars a messianic psalm, which, of course, speaks about Jesus. That is so true. David is the one who wrote it, and when he wrote it, he was going through great troubles. So from his viewpoint, we're going to study it today when he talks about these very, very interesting, interesting things that apply to you and me. Because regardless if we want to admit it or not, everyone in this room has some kind of an issue or a problem or something that's gnawing away at your heart, something you are praying about, something that is concerning to you, maybe in your own life or in someone else's. And so that's why it is applicable to us today in a very, very special way. So to get right to the point... Uh, uh, Brother Raul read the portion. I will not reread that. It's a very wonderful and precious psalm. But how do you how do you get on top of things? Well, you get on top of things. First of all, you need to talk to God. You see, a lot of us go through our life's journey and we fail to communicate with God. And in this psalm. We are so vividly reminded when David said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he he inclined to me and heard my cry. David wasn't just praying to the Lord. He was crying out to the Lord. And you may be going through something today, and that's the way you feel, just crying out to God because of the ache or whatever is going on in the depths of your soul. And, you know, David, David prayed much about his situation. It says he waited patiently for the Lord. Well, I wonder how much the Lord wanted him to be patient also. And he said, I just wondered, have you been patient? Have I been patient with God about our problem, our situation? Uh, How long did it take for you to get into your situation? That is only something that you or I can answer about our own personal concerns. The Lord is patient with us already, so it's good for David to say this, that, that he waited patiently for the Lord. How we need patience. In the book of Hebrews, we are told, you have need of patience. Your speaker needs it more than any of you, I know. The Lord heard David's cry. Did you see that? In that first verse, he heard my cry. The Lord inclined to me and heard my prayer. What a wonderful thing. 
I was impressed because of the fact that where we worked in Brazil, we worked with people who had leprosy also. And the Wycliffe Bible translators were in a certain area, and they were, they were trying to translate the scriptures into the language of the people. And uh, this little phrase, inclined unto me, was a problem, and they could not find anything equivalent in the language of the people where they worked that would suit them to translate the Bible and have this verse come out okay. So, one day, it's interesting, the missionary was had worked for probably years trying to find an answer to it, and here's what happened. Uh, he said, his attention was finally drawn to a man in the village as he sat holding his son on his knees. The little boy was trying to whisper something and the kindly father was leaning his head slightly forward toward the little boy. This sight triggered an idea in the missionary's mind, and so he said to the man, What are you doing as you listen to the little boy? And he, and he, said, he said, Well, I'm spreading out my ear like a blanket. To listen to him was the reply. Sounds to me like an elephant ear, doesn't it? And so when he got that, he said to the Lord silently, thank you, Lord. This is my answer. This is the word I must use in that as I translate this verse. So he took, the, he took his pen and wrote, and wrote these words. I continued to wait for the Lord, and he spread out his ear like a blanket Hearing my cry, he drew me out of the mud and water and out of the, the fierce pit, and he placed me or placed my foot on a stone. And that's the way he translated the scripture. So what a, what a wonderful, wonderful thing that is. Um, have, you been, have you been praying lately, my dear friend in Christ? Have you been praying? Jim, Jim Reeves wrote a, a wonderful piece quite a long time ago now, because I've known it for years. Boy, it surely speaks to my heart. How long has it been since you talked with the Lord and told him your heart's hidden secrets? How long since you prayed? How long since you stayed on your knees till the light shone through? How long has it been since since your mind felt at ease? How long since your heart knew no burden? Can you call him your friend? How long has it been since you knew that he cared for you? How long has it been since you knelt by your bed and prayed to the Lord up in heaven? How long since you knew that he'd answer you and would keep you the long night through? How long has it been since you woke with the dawn And felt this day is worth living. Can you call him your friend? How long has it been since you knew that he cared for you? Oh, how we need to take our burden to the Lord and leave it there in prayer. Well, so that's the first thing that he did. He had to he, he needed to talk to the Lord, and so he is talking to the Lord about his particular problem. And the second thing 
to get on top of things that we have to recognize our problem. Now, David recognized his problem, but maybe we haven't thought about that enough, so we need to seriously think about what really is the problem that's gnawing away in my soul and my heart today. There's a longing, there's a need that maybe I don't know how to express, but God knows, and I think you know, and so that's what we're talking about today. So it says, he also brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. David's experience, you see, was 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 like being in a horrible pit of miry clay. Uh, we used to live in Benjamin Constant, Brazil, the last town on the Amazon River. And I'll tell you, there was never mud like there was there. It was the worst I've ever seen. You ought to see it on a rainy day at church. It looked like a shoe factory because everyone had to take their shoes off. There was mud clinging to the, it was awful. Maybe that's why they make good bricks up in Benjamin Constant. <clears throat> that's the way David felt in the bottom of this, uh, this uh, pit that he was in. It was an ugly situation. So what's going on in your, in, in your life, my friend, that's ugly and that you need to get, and you need to get out of this situation? David, we know, we know what the problem was for David because he tells us, because look at, uh, look at verse 12. Here's what he says in verse 12. For innumerable sin, uh, uh, evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart fails me. You see? That doesn't mean that your problem is sin this morning, my friend. I'm not, a, I'm not saying that. It could be sin. Maybe that's your problem, but it may not be sin. There are all kinds of problems through which we go. But anyway, David's was sin. He, he admitted it in verse 12. Find out where you are today and why you are there and begin to call upon the Lord. If you are sincere, the Lord will lean toward you and do something wonderful like we just mentioned in that illustration. I love Psalm 53.3. For I acknowledge my, my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. So your problem may be of another nature. It may be a marital problem. It may be a relationship problem of another kind that we don't even classify. It may be employment. It may be illness. It may be dishonesty. It may be, it may be a personal issue. It could be pornography. It could be, it could be your tongue. It could, it, it could, there's all kinds of things. The list could go on and on. Um, and if you're lost today without Jesus, that is certainly your greatest concern. It should be in the bottom of a miry pit, condemned for everlasting destruction, away from the presence of God. Oh, how you would think seriously about giving your life to Jesus. He died for your sins upon the cross of Calvary. He paid the debt, and all you have to do is say, Lord, I repent. I trust, I receive you as my personal Savior, and you'll be saved, and you'll be going with us to heaven when you die. How important it is. So you have to recognize your problem. First of all, he prayed. Then he recognized his problem. He may have been in reverse, but that's the way in the order of the text here. And the third thing which happens is very interesting. You get on top of things by allowing God to do his work in your life. 
You see, a lot of us sometimes are kind of rebellious, and we say, no, we have it all together. We don't need any help, and so we don't get any help. We don't want any help. We don't ask for any help, and therefore we don't get any help. But you see, David tells us here that to get on top of things, we have to allow God to do his work, and he will. He will. The the verses that Raoul read are are so wonderful, and I won't repeat those. I'll just mention... uh, in the first place, uh, he will he will turn to you and hear your cry. That's the fir- that, that's the first thing you have to allow him to do is that when you cry, you know that God will listen to you. He knows what you want, and he will listen because he is he is more interested in that than you are. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. And there's something else that we need to allow him to do. He will bring. He will bring you up out of your horrible situation. It says in verse 2, He also brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. What a mess. What a graphic picture that is. You can't lift yourself up, my friend. You can't do it. You can't get out of your distress by yourself. You need, you need help. You can't pick up yourself up by the bootstraps. You've got to have God's help. God has to do it. It says, He brought me up in verse 2. We used to sing a wonderful song. I loved it. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. I was was drowning in Phoenix, Arizona in a swimming pool. My dear grandpa went with me. And I jumped in, and it was over my head, of course. And like a dodo, I didn't know how to swim. So I let out a yell. I knew how to do that. When I let out a yell, Grandpa heard me, and he called the lifeguard, and he saved my life. I was drowning. And uh, dear old Grandpa Robbins, that was his name, Joe Robbins. He's also the one that, that just a few years later, I was sitting down about, about where Susie is in the, in the congregation in the Eastside Baptist Church. And when the pastor gave the invitation for people to receive Jesus as their Savior, my godly granddad, Joe Robbins, left his place in the congregation, came down and stood in the aisle and glanced over to me and drew me to Jesus. That's how I did it. My granddad led me to Jesus. Joe Robbins. Never forget that name when your family came. <clears throat> Don't fight God anymore. Let him rescue you from your, 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 your dilemma, whatever it may be. And you know what that is. He will set your feet on the rock. That's the next thing he will do. Notice that in, in, the, in, the, in the verse. And he set my feet on the rock. And as you, as you examine scripture, we know what the rock is. The rock is Jesus Christ. We, we know that from first, uh, first Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. What a solid rock to be on. Jesus. Jesus, the solid rock. Yep. Poor foundations are terrible. I don't know if you've had any experience with poor foundations, but when we lived in this same town way up on the Amazon River, the little town of Benjamin Constant, the, um, the building authorities, I don't know why or what caused them to come, but they came all the way up there 2,000 miles up from the midtown of Manaus, and they examined the bank, the bank of Brazil. 
And they started chopping away at the foundation. I said, what in the world are they doing? Chopping away at the foundation of the Bank of Brazil, a building, two-story building sitting there for years. Well, not too many years. They chopped away the crust of the foundation and inside with a cup they could pull out the sand. There was no cement. It had a poor foundation. That's why, dear people, without Jesus as your foundation, you are lost. You will go into a Christless eternity without him. That's why you need to be settled and steadfastly on the rock, Christ Jesus. Yeah, there's so many wonderful things in here. There's another one. It says, it says that he, uh, he will establish your steps. Isn't that interesting? After he takes you out of the miry clay and does the other things that we mentioned, he will, he will, he will establish your steps. It says that in verse 2. Um, what a wonderful thing to have a wonderful, a wonderful step in your life because you are solidly standing on Jesus, the rock. That means your walk is going to be different. When you let the Lord take your problems and handle them God's way, like we've said, things will change in your life, I can tell you. Just a quick look at Scripture will tell you that uh, the word walk will be honoring to the Lord. You, you, you will walk honestly. You will walk by faith. You will walk in the Spirit. You will walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. You will walk in love. You will walk as children of light. It will be wonderful. And then there's another thing God does in this same verse, uh, verse 3 that is, he put a new song in my mouth. Isn't that wonderful? Um, he has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. The Bible talks a lot about songs. The Lord is the, the strength. The Lord is my strength and song. Come before his presence with singing. Uh, he, you see, Job says he gives songs even in the night. <clears throat> Anyone has watched me lately since my surgery, um, I never could sing like, you know, be a singer, but I always sang, and I loved it, and my wife and I loved to sing, and we sang in meetings, and our son helped us too, and I loved to sing, but I can't sing anymore. And I've tried, and I sit over there, you can watch me, I, you think I'm singing, but I'm only doing the words, you know, just the, the, I'm saying the words to myself, but I'm not singing because I can't. But that's okay, because I found a wonderful verse, you might like this too if you can't sing, but I don't know your situation. Listen to this verse. He has put a new song, no, that's not the one I want. I want this one down here. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. How do you like that? When you don't have any song and you cannot sing, it makes no difference because you can sing in your heart and God hears what you're saying. So, praise the Lord for that. Put a new song in my mouth and in my heart. I love it. It is God who does all these things, dear people. Only he, only he can do it. I remember that um, one time a, a missionary visited a, a leper colony. And we had lepers up in Brazil. And uh, I've sat with them in meetings many a time, way up in the tributaries of the Amazon River. And... Um, the missionary came, and he, and he said he wanted the missionaries, well, they said they'd like to sing a song, and so uh, would you like to hear it? Oh, yes. And so he 
the missionary thought, well, I guess they're going to sing this one, you know, I must tell Jesus all of my trials. That's what, that's what he thought they would sing. Oh, no. They got going, and here's what they sang. My trusting, let me see. My trusting heart to Jesus clings, nor any ill forebodes. But as the cross of Calvary sings, praise God for lifted loads. The passing days bring many cares. Fear not, I hear him say. And when my fears are turned to prayers, the burdens slip away. Singing I go, almost started singing, wow. Singing I go along life's road, praising the Lord, praising the Lord. Singing I go along life's road, for Jesus has lifted my load. Praise the Lord. That was the leper singing without a nose and some fingers and limbs. Oh, what a mess. Would you, allow, would you allow Jesus to lift your load today? I hope you will. Let him lift your load. Let him lift that load from your heart today. Now, there's another thing. When you're on top of things, some very important things happen. They're here in the text. They're real easy. Listen to them. The first one is in verse 3. First of all, you praise the Lord. When was the last time you praised the Lord? Maybe never. Why don't you start? He lifted you out of the miry clay. Start praising the Lord. That's why Brother Raul is our worship leader. That's why we sing to start the services so we can praise the Lord. That's part of worship. It's wonderful. So, learn to praise, praise the Lord. Number two, people see your life and Trust in the Lord. Did you see that? Listen to this verse in verse 3. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. You may not think that will happen, but it will. When people see you are different, things will happen. They, some, will trust in the Lord. And what a, what a beautiful thing that is. My brother, I know, wrote a, wrote a letter. My brother died six days before Margie did last October 19th. And, and he had told me previous to this that a man came to him in the service one day and said, Dr. Polson, um, you preach Christ, and mentioned the place, and I received Jesus as my Savior. And that was 30 years ago. He didn't even know it. And when we were in Brazil, <clears throat> my wife and I, we, I held an evangelistic service down river about uh, oh, 150 miles, one of our missionaries had just built a new home, but he needed it wired for electricity because he was going to put a generator in. So I went down and wired his complete house for wiring, and then at night I held evangelistic meetings. During that week, the son of the missionary, Mark, uh, Mark Payne, received Jesus as a Savior. Another fellow by the name of Francisco, who I don't remember now, he received Christ as his Savior and many others during that week of evangelistic meetings also. So here we come back to America and live up here on the hill, and one day a letter comes from the missionaries. The Pieces, who Pastor Kyle knows, uh, their son, the, 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 very well, the, the one of the Peace boys. And I opened the letter, and, and the tears flowed as I read, and this little Francisco said, Mr. Mr. Ralph, that's how you say it in Brazil. They don't call you Mr. Po- Mr. Ralph. Mr. Ralph, you were in Santo Antonio do Isa, and you held meetings, and I received Jesus as my Savior. And he said, you know, I went away from there rejoicing, 
I went back to my town and went later on, a thousand miles on up downriver to the city of Manaus. I went to Bible school, and I just want to tell you, Brother Ralph, that now I have finished Bible school, and I'm in the ministry. I'm an ordained minister, and I have just founded through the years five gospel churches along the banks of the Amazon, five new churches. So you see, dear, dear folks, um, it's, it's really wonderful that uh, people will see or hear your testimony and something will happen in people's lives. It's wonderful. Um, you will listen to God's word. That's another one it says in verse 6. It says, uh, my ears you have opened. Isn't that interesting? When you're planted on the rock, Christ, God will open your ears so you will listen in a different way to his word. His word will mean things differently to you than they did before. How wonderful that is. So I, I just love it. Your words were found and I did, and, and I ate them, and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts, says Jeremiah 15 and verse uh, 16. Yes, <clears throat> Another thing happens besides listening to God's word. It says in verse 8, you delight to do God's will. Wow, that may be a new one for some of us. You never thought about saying, Lord, what is your will for my life? That's something we should ask all the time as believers, but maybe you never have. But you can start today. Lord, what is your will? What do you want me to do? Notice what it says. I delight to do your will, oh my God. And your law is within my heart. When God's word is in your heart and you are saturating your life with it, God will show you what he wants you to do for him. He will. Yep, it's really interesting. Don't, uh, just don't be like the camel, please. Have any, anyone ever ridden a camel? Yeah, I have too. And you know, they, if you even put a handkerchief on their back, they'll groan to pick that up. But if they put Ralph Polson on it, they really groan. But I was amazing. Yeah, they, they just have a steady kind of groan and growl when they get up from a sitting position because that's their nature. Don't be that way with God's will, my friend. Do it cheerfully. Say, Lord, what is your will for me? And just learn to do it. It's so wonderful. Well, there's another thing that he does in verse 9 and 10. You will be... You will be a witness for him. Isn't that wonderful? I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips, O Lord. You yourself know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. Have you told anyone about Jesus? Listen, friend, it's not just Pastor Kyle's business to tell people about Jesus. It's yours and mine. Have any of you seen the man who goes around in a little cart and waters all these beautiful baskets in Ferndale? How many have seen him? I saw him the other day and I says, I got to go talk to that man. So I went to him. He stopped his work and I says, I want to tell you about Jesus. And he listened. How wonderful to tell someone else about Jesus. Do it, my friend. Pick out anyone. What about the cashier at the grocery store? You ever thought about that? 
I'll tell you a way you can really you can really get them to to raise an eyebrow. As you pay the bill, you'll tell them, "Have a happy eternity." See what they say to that. That'll get that'll get you going in a good conversation. Tell people about Jesus. They will not tell you, but they want to hear, and we're the ones that have to do it. That's what Pastor Kyle has been talking about in the morning services, evangelism. We've got to do it. We've got to do it. Well, I guess I could summarize by saying trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord will get you on top of every situation if you will just do it. D.O. Moody, the great evangelist, said, Trust in yourselves and you are doomed to disappointment. Trust in your friends, and they will die and leave, leave you. Trust in reputation, and some slanderous tongue may blast it. But trust in God, and you are never to be confounded in time or eternity. Luther said something similar. He said, he said I, have, I have held many things in my hands, and I have lost them all. And whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. How true, how true. So when you're established on the rock, there is no sinking. Like the pastor that went in to see the dear lady who was dying, and she said, he said to her, well, dear sister, are, are, are you sinking? Are you sinking? And boy, I'll tell you, she had a message for him. Listen to what she said. She says, did you ever hear of a person sinking through a rock? If I had been, if I had been uh, standing on the sand, I might sink. But thank God I am on the rock of ages and there is no sinking there. This is a lady who's dying giving a message to the preacher. We all need a message. We all need his help. Let's bow in prayer. And as I pray, oh, dear friend, whatever your problem this morning is, well, I guess it's afternoon because I went over past 12. Not, not used to doing that, but here I am. Please give your problem to Jesus. Let him take you out of the miry clay of despondency, whatever you may be in. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, now is the time to do it. In your heart, just say yes to Jesus. Lord Jesus, speak to hearts today, we pray. Help us to be different because we've listened to Psalm 40. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.